Thank you for the invitation to come. I love Will and Lindsay. What's your last name? Myhan. They are just a delight. Two of mine and Diane's favorite people. Years ago, we had our youth minister to leave us in Huntington, Tennessee. And so we were in an elders meeting wondering, what in the world are we going to do? And I suggested to the elders, instead of putting together a mission team and sending them abroad, why don't we send it, put together a mission team and bring them to Huntington to work with our young people and young couples in the city and in the congregation? And from that particular decision, Will Myhan made his way to Huntington, Tennessee. He came and he wasn't married at the time. He was happy. <laughs> but not as happy as he is now, you see. And uh, so we wanted to have not only uh, Will Myhan, but another young minister, youth minister, that was married so that his wife could relate to the young ladies. And so we brought in another individual that Will knew very well from Fried Hardeman, and they worked together as a tremendous team. And then he and Lindsay married after about a year, I think, of your being there. And she came on board, and they were a delight as a couple. And by that time, that first couple decided to leave, and he wanted to preach and has done an outstanding job in Ashland City, Tennessee, ever since. And we brought in another one of Will's friends, and he was single at the time, and he found his wife, and they married. So I performed both ceremonies, and I'm surprised that either one of them want to speak to me to this day. They are just a delight to us. And I'll just tell you this, this is how much Will and Lindsay and, uh, well... The other couple, let me just, I won't mention their names, I'm not sure I need to, but uh, how much they mean to us. The year they left was a very difficult year. We lost three very special friends. They were friends of Will and Lindsay. One of them was the uh, husband of our secretary who died of a, a very rare brain disorder after, what, seven years of watching him just incrementally die. And then another was one of our deacons, a very dear friend and tremendous supporter of the youth work. And then another man uh, fell at work uh, and broke his neck. And that man I had worked with for nine years and finally baptized into Christ. And he was very dear. And we had just those funerals just back to back to back. And then Will left and, and Lindsay and this other couple chose to leave. And we rejoiced because... Will and Lindsay got to come back home or close to home here in Florence and Decatur. The other couple got to move back home to Oklahoma. So we rejoiced with them, but it was so difficult. It was like, I tell them, it was like not having three funerals. It was like having five. The elders knew that I was going to retire that year in December of 16 or 17, and it just became too difficult for me. And I asked the elders permission in December of the year prior. I said, I just don't have it anymore emotionally. I'm going to ask you to accept my resignation and let me retire early. And so I retired in May instead of in December of June 17. And your leaving is one of the reasons. I just want you to know that's how much you mean to us. 
And I know you're glad that they're here, and you need to tell them that. You need to let them know how much you love them. Thank you for letting us come and be a part of this summer series. My favorite sermon. I guess my favorite sermon starts with the question, what must I do to be saved? Now that's an old question, and it's been asked many different times in point of fact, in one way or another, you will find it no less than, than three times in the New Testament. Answers that are given to that question vary depending on the one to whom you're speaking. Some may tell you what to do to be saved based upon what they want to do. Some may tell you what to do to be saved based upon how they were raised and what they were told to do. And so as a result of that, you have all sorts of answers to that very important question. Let me ask you, what would you say? Now in point of fact, you might just dive right into quoting me Bible verses. And I would dare say that based upon experience, I could come back to you and I could say, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about? And we both would end up running in circles, half confused because of what we were saying to one another. But what would you say to the question, what do I have to do to go to heaven, to be saved? Because there is so much confusion as to the answer to that question, I think one of the best things to do is just let God give us the answer. And we're not going to go to one verse after another that says we need to do this or we need to do that and string together Thoughts that fall into our traditional motif of thought. We're going to let God be the one who gives us the answer. We're going to do it in two ways. First of all, we're going to turn through one book of the Bible and look at a word that is used by God God the Holy Spirit, repeatedly. It is the word aphasis. It's translated remission. We don't use that word a lot, remission, unless we're quoting King James Version Bible. Aphasis, it's a word that means freedom, liberty. Many, many times in more modern translations, New King James Version, English Standard Version, aphasis is actually translated forgiveness. What must I do to be forgiven? To be saved? Have the hope of heaven. We're going to turn to one book of the Bible where we find the Holy Spirit using that word repeatedly, and we're going to let Him 
tell us what to do to be forgiven. But I said we're going to answer the question in two ways. Not only are we going to turn to various passages in one book that use that word, we're going to paint a word picture as we go. And we're going to let that word picture embed within our hearts God's answer to that question. So let's start with the word picture. I want you to picture yourself standing in the hall in front of a school locker. How many of you went to school that had lockers? Anybody? Okay, good. Now, if you're like I was, I had this school locker in the hall, and you would lock your locker so that nobody could get inside and steal your books or anything else that was in there, and you would use, most of us used, a combination lock. Anybody used a combination lock? All right, good. We're going to use a combination lock tonight on this locker door. Now, behind, here's this locker that you're standing in front of. You got that word picture? Say this. Yes, I've got that word picture. You're standing in front of this locker door. Behind the door, on the inside of the locker, you have the grace of God. And all that the grace of God, forgiveness included, has to offer you. But you can't have it. You can't enjoy it because it's inside that locker and the locker is bolted tight. It's locked with a combination lock. So we're going to have to unlock the combination lock. How do you do that? How do you unlock a combination lock? You've got to use the combination, of course. You're a smart man. Now tonight, we're going to use the combination. I'm going to give it to you. Usually, you turn the combination, let's say, two times all the way to the right. You with me? And you turn it to a particular number. Our first number is the number 24. What's the first number? What do you say? 24. Okay. Now, after you have turned it, how many times to the right? Two times all the way to number 24. Then what do you do? Then you turn it all the way around the opposite direction to the left to a second number. The second number is the number 12. What's the second number? What's the first number? Okay, you're still with me. Now, after you do that, what's the third thing that you do? You turn it back to the right, but you don't turn it all the way. You turn it just a little ways. You've done this, haven't you? I can tell you have. So you turn it just a little ways to another number, a third number, right? The third number for us is going to be the number six. What's the first number? 24. Back yonder in the back, what's the second number? 12. We got one back there that's awake. What's the third number over here? Six. 24, 12, 6. First time, which way, which direction? To the right, how many times? Second time, which direction? How many times? Third time, which direction? Back to the right, only a little bit. To what number? 
to the number six. Okay. Now we have behind this locker door the grace of God and His forgiveness locked up tight. And you have that combination lock and you have to use the combination to unlock it. We're going to let this particular word, aphasis, as it is used in one book of the Bible, help us paint this word picture and teach us what to do to gain the grace of God and His forgiveness. The book that we're going to turn to is the book of Acts in the New Testament. We're going to do something peculiar. We're going to start at the back of the book. One of the smartest men I ever knew was a man named Earl Dennis. Brother Dennis had a doctorate's degree in mathematics or math. He was from Columbia, Tennessee. He taught mathematics at David Lipscomb University. During Brother Collins' tenure as president, Earl was actually dean of students. Earl Dennis and I taught a Bible class on Wednesday nights for almost 10 years. And before we would teach together, he and I and another award-winning educator in the Metro School Systems of Nashville, a man named Carl Ross, we would get together and we would talk for about 30 minutes. What you want to do? You remember Earl Dennis? Remember Carl Ross? What, what, what you want to do tonight? And so we would talk about what we were going to do in that class and for from 5.15 to 6, we'd teach this Bible class, the first of two Bible class sessions at Creve Hall that, back then. In one of those 20 or 30 minute sessions, Earl said to me, have you ever read the Bible backwards? I said, what do you mean? You ever turned to a chapter in the Bible and read it backwards, starting with the last verse and then the next to the last verse? I said, no, try it. You're going to be surprised as to how much you're missing. It's amazing. I suggest you try that tonight when you go home and do your Bible reading. So what we're going to do is follow Earl's advice. We're going to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to look for that word, aphasis, remission, forgiveness, as it occurs in the book of Acts, but we're going to do so in reverse order. And we're going to let those occurrences help us Unlock that combination and allow for the grace of God to flow into our lives and enjoy forgiveness. Are you ready? How many of you have your Bibles? Raise them up high in the air. Let me see the Bible. Not the dot, dot, not. That's not the Bible. Raise up a Bible. Let me see your Bible. Okay, okay. How many of you have your iOS device? Raise it up high in the air. We got, okay, good, good. I got to warn you. If you're doing this, I know that you're with me. If you're doing this, you're playing Angry Birds, and, and, and I'm watching you, okay? Turn with me, first of all, in your New Testament book of Acts to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26, verse 18. If we put this in its contextual flow, the Apostle Paul is relating to King Agrippa matters pertaining to his past life. And in particular, his own conversion. 
and how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. So if we were to go back to verse 15, So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise, Jesus said to Paul, and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness. Read it. To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive what? Forgiveness of faces. Forgiveness, remission of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now in this passage, I read of those who turned from darkness to light, who turned from Satan to God in order to obtain forgiveness. That tells me that to be forgiven, to be saved, I must have a desire to turn to make change in my life. The word that is translated turn in this passage, epistrepho, strepho, to turn, epi, over, to turn over. Ever heard someone say, turn over a new leaf? I'm reading about individuals who wanted to turn over a new leaf in their life, to make changes in their life from darkness to light, from Satan to God, from wrong to right, so that forgiveness could be enjoyed. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never know the forgiveness of God until you want to change your life. So I stand in front of this locker. It's locked tight. Behind it, the grace of God. The first thing that I must do, I must reach up and grab the combination and put it in my hand because I want to open the combination. I want to unlock the locker. I want the grace of God to come into my life. I want to make some changes. If you're not saved and have the hope of heaven tonight, it could be that one of the reasons is you're just pretty satisfied with who you are and where you are in life. That's pretty sad. You'll never know God's grace until you want change in your life. Paul put it this way, godly sorrow produces repentance in order to obtain salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Passage number 2. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, I read from the New King James Version, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness, aphasis, remission of sins. And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, I'm reading our operative word, forgiveness, aphasis. It's found in verse 38. 
And in verse 38, I learned that to enjoy forgiveness, I must hear about someone being preached to me. I need to hear about someone. Through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. I must hear about someone to know forgiveness. Who is that someone? Who is the man referenced in verse 38? If I go back to the contextual flow, I find the Apostle Paul in Antioch of Pisidia in a synagogue of the Jews. And there he references, verse 23, God raised for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Verse 30, God raised Him, Jesus, from the dead. Verse 32, We declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this for us, their children, and that He has raised up Jesus. Verse 37, He whom God raised up, that's Jesus, saw no corruption. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, that's Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. I must hear about Jesus as Savior of mankind if I want the forgiveness of my sins. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 10. How can they believe unless they hear? So here I am standing in front of this locker door. Behind that locked door is the grace of God with His forgiveness. The first thing I must do is I must reach up and pick up that locker in my hand, that combination lock in my hand, because I want what's behind that door. The second thing that I need to do is I need to start the combination, and I need to turn that combination which way? How many times? Twice to the right to what number? Twenty-four. Okay, so I turn it twice to the right to number 24 and I give it a yank and it opens up and I know the grace of God. Is that how it works? You've ever had a combination lock to open up the first time? You, you, it doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way with the forgiveness of God either. There's more to be done. That there are other verses that use this word, aphasis, in the book of Acts. So we turn to passage number 3. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Acts 10, verse 43. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive what? Remission, aphasis is the word. Will receive aphasis, remission, forgiveness of sins. Now I want you to look at verse 43. What is the requirement for forgiveness found in that passage? You tell me. I must believe... 
but I must believe in whom? Uh-uh-uh-uh. That is not what that verse says. What does that verse actually say? I must believe in whom? I must believe in Him. Now, who's the Him? That's where I have to put that passage back into its contextual flow. And I find the Apostle Peter in the household of Cornelius, where he is with Cornelius, the family and friends of Cornelius. And it's the Apostle Peter that begins to preach. And look at what he says in verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And he starts talking about this Jesus of Nazareth anointed by God. And he comes down to verse 43 and says, To him, that's Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, the name of Jesus, Whoever believes in Him, that's Jesus, will receive the forgiveness of faces, remission of sins. So I must not only have a desire to change my life, I must not only hear about Jesus as the Savior of mankind, I must come to believe in Jesus as the Savior of mankind if I want the forgiveness of my sins. Now I want you to look at that verse again because it says, whoever believes in Him will receive the remission of sins. Listen to me carefully. In our tradition as members of the churches of Christ, if I were to ask you, what must I do to receive the remission of sins? Is that what you would tell me? That's not probably where your mind would go. But that passage is in our Bibles. And it says we must believe for the remission of sins. Paul put it this way in Romans 5 verse 1, Being therefore justified, just if I'd never sinned. Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God. So I must believe in Jesus as the Savior of mankind if I want to be forgiven and saved from my past. I'm standing in front of this locker door and behind it you have the grace of God with His forgiveness. Salvation. To have that, to claim that blessing is mine, I must reach up and take that combination in my hand having a desire to change my life. I must then start the combination, turning it how many times to the right? To what number? 24. And that represents hearing about Jesus. Now, in working the combination, what do I need to do next? I need to turn the combination which way? Okay, well, what if I just went ahead and turned it, kept turning it to the right? It, it wouldn't work? Well, I turned, let's say I turned it one more time to the right, and I come to, what's that second number? I come to the number 12. I've gone to, I've gone to the right. I come to the number 12. Is it going to open? I came to the right number. Oh, you don't care? <laughs> well, there are people like you. Okay. So I, I turn it to the left. Am I right? So I turn it twice around to the left and I come to number 12. Is it going to open? Why not? I'm supposed to turn it 
only once. So I have to turn it twice, right? I have to turn it twice to number 24, right? I have to turn it back left one time, right? And I have to go right to number 12, right? What if I started with number, came to number 11? Would that be okay? It has to be 12. Boy, y'all are narrow-minded people. Ever heard that before? And so I give it a yank, and what happens? You mean it's not going to open yet? I want to change. I've heard about Jesus. I've come to believe in Jesus. Salvation isn't mine yet either. That word is found in other verses of the book Acts. So turn with me now to verse number 4, Acts chapter 5, verse 31. <clears throat> Him God has exalted to His right hand to be prince and Savior to give repentance to Israel and what? Forgiveness Aphasis, remission of sins. In Acts 5 verse 31, I'm reading about Jesus as Prince and Savior. I am talking, reading about Jesus, if I go back to verse 28, in the contextual flow. And I learn that I must in, it, respond to Jesus with something called repentance. Meta naeo. Literally, change the way you think. That's what it means to repent. Change the way you think. No, Brother Dan, you're mistaken. To repent means to change the way you live. No, you're mistaken. The word naeo means thinking. Metanaeo, thinking in the midst of. The idea is you change the way you think. Now, as a man thinks in his heart, what? You see, Proverbs chapter 27 tells us, 20 verse 7 says, if I change the way I think, I am going to change the way I live. So I read in Acts 5 verse 31 that I must respond to Jesus in my faith by changing the way I think and live in His behalf for the forgiveness of my sins. So behind that locked door is the grace of God with His forgiveness, salvation. I want it. I reach up and I put that combination lock in my hand. I take it and I turn it twice to the right to number 24. I turn it once to the left to number. Then I turn it which direction? Back to the right. How many times? Just a little bit. To what number? To number six. Ah. And now, I give it a jerk. Boom. And what happens? The combination lock opens. But alas... I can't get inside the locker door because the lock is still on the handle. 
And there's one last thing I need to do. I need to take the lock off the handle and open it. And you know, I might want to change my life. And I might hear about Jesus. And I might come to believe in Jesus. And I might respond with faith in Jesus by a willingness to change the way I think and live. But that forgiveness behind that locked door is not mine to claim yet. I still have to take the lock off the handle, open it up. And there's one last thing I have to, because you see, our word is found in one last verse in the book of Acts. Turn with me to verse number 5, Acts 2, verse 38. Bet you never thought we'd get there, did you? Then Peter said to them, Repent. Well, we just read about that in chapter 5.31. Repent in the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the aphasis, remission, forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. More literally translated, all of you change the way you think, repent. And each one of you, baptizo, be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. Now I have wonderful, wonderful religious friends. Many of whom more deeply committed to their religion than some of my own brethren. Will and Lindsay know a lot of them. They're in, in Huntington. And they would read this passage and they would tell me, that means that you repent and you're baptized because you have already been forgiven. I love these people deeply. And they love me. And so I wonder, is that really the case? In point of fact, I remember years ago, I knew how I had been taught. And I remember studying the Bible with someone and they suggested that's what this verse really means. And I was disturbed. I wanted to know, well, what does this mean? And I was young. And so I just decided I'm going to let the Bible tell me what this means. I'm not going to listen to my mom and my daddy and my religious friends. I'm not going to listen to this person I'm studying the Bible. I'm just going to let God tell me. What does it mean to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin? Does it mean so that your sins can be forgiven? Or does it mean because you have already been forgiven? What does that really mean? I found some help in what Saul, we better know as Paul, was told to do in this same book. In Acts 22, verse 16, Paul is reflecting on his own conversion. And this is what he was told to do. Arise and be baptized. Listen to this. This is what he was told. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. When I saw that, I thought, that's the answer. That's what that means. 
You, are, you repent and you're baptized so that you can have your sins taken away. It means you repent and are baptized so that you can be forgiven. So, the grace of God is behind this locked door. I want it and the forgiveness it offers. I want the heart of God to flow in my direction. So I pick up that combination lock. I want to make some changes in my life. I turn that combination lock twice to the right to number 24. I hear about Jesus. I turn that combination lock all the way to the left once to number 12. I believe in what the Bible says about Jesus being the Son of God. I turn that combination slightly to the right to number 6. I come to change the way I think and live out of my faith in Jesus as the Son of God. I give that combination lock a jerk because repentance is the hardest thing of all to do. And then I'm baptized in that I pull that combination lock off the door open the handle, the door opens, the grace of God and His forgiveness flows in my direction. What do I have to do to be saved? If I look at just one word, forgiveness, in the book of Acts, I must desire to change my life, hear about Jesus, believe in Jesus, repent of my past for Jesus, and be baptized for the purpose of being forgiven. It's just that simple. Thank you so much for listening. And letting me come and talk about one of my favorite subjects. <laughs>